0: Amen. Thank you, Hannah, for that special music. And, you know, I I thank the Lord uh, for being the pastor of Brinesburg Baptist Church and uh, for for being able to lead a group of people who are so missions-minded and so ministry-minded and servant-hearted. And I get to see, uh, through meetings, state meetings and those kinds of things, I get to see a lot of pastors. And they're always amazed that uh, Brinesburg's name is on every list. or top-giving and and Lottie Moon, Top Giving, and Annie Armstrong Giving. Top Giving and uh, things like uh, the, the OCC shoeboxes, uh, in, in your cooperative program giving, and your missions going. Uh, it's just an amazing thing that a church of our size, we're not a mega church, but a church of our size is able to do so much right here in Marshall County in the, in the state of Kentucky, and our nation, and literally we're reaching to the very farthest corners of the earth, the uttermost parts. You're giving, you're going, you're praying, you're ministering. And I thank the Lord for being a pastor of a church like Brinesburg. Uh, if you will, turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 7 today. Last week, we, we talked about uh, how to be a follower of God. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the other side of that, how not to be a follower of the world. And so we'll be looking at verses Three through 7 of Ephesians 5. So let's turn to there and uh, go to the Lord in prayer as we, as we go. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, it has been an exciting day. Lord, we thank you for Shelby. We, Lord, thank you for that beautiful testimony that she gave this morning, uh, both verbally and then in picture form through Believer's Baptism, that she is yours. And Lord, I, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for that and for those who uh, who have made decisions and in the last few months. And Lord, I know there's others. I got some close friends today who are here, and they need to make decisions for you as well. And they know who they are, and you're speaking to them right now. And I pray that they would come to know you today as Savior and as Lord. Lord, we come to you and we recognize that we live in a world uh, where everything's pressing on us to be just like the world around us. And Lord, you've called us to be different. And so, Lord, I pray that we would see here how Paul shows us very specifically how we can be radically different than the world that we live in and how we can truly be that witness to those around us. But I know I'm a very weak vessel, so Lord, hide me behind the cross that only you be seen and only you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, uh, last week we considered verses 1 and 2 here of chapter 5. And in those verses we were told how to be a follower of God. That means that we are to be imitators of God. Just as a a child imitates their parents, we are to imitate our Father. We are to to love as He loves. We are to walk as He walks. We are to talk as He talks. We are to live as He lives. We are to literally mimic the Father in all things. And that's a hard command to follow, but it is what we are to strive for in our day-to-day lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the verses that we're going to consider this morning, we are given a similar command. In these verses, the command is how not to be a follower of the world. And just as we are to imitate the Lord in every possible way, we are to avoid imitating the actions and the attitudes and the ways of the world that we live in. This passage will speak to us about what we should not be doing in our lives as we live in this world. It's easy to fall into the same rut in which the world is running in. It's easy to go with the flow and do as the unconverted world around us does. We've oftentimes heard that old adage, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And sadly, it seems that many Christians have picked that up. And when in the world, do as the world does. We adopt the ways of the world. We adopt their fashion. We adopt their speech. We adopt their standards. We adopt their entertainment. We adopt nearly everything else that the world around us is doing. And all the while, the the Lord is telling us that we are to be different from them in every way. We're not to be similar. We're not to be just a little different. We're to be radically different. We're to be transformed. We're to be a new creature. And here is what the Lord says in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, wherefore come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And so if we are going to emulate anyone, let it be the Lord. If we are looking for an example to follow, let it be the Lord God Almighty. And so church, with that in mind, let's stand this morning and spend some time looking at these verses in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning together here in verse 3. But fornication in all uncleanness and or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint's, of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. You may be seated. How not to be a follower of the world. In verses 3 and 4, we see there are actions that we must avoid. In these two verses, at least six different sins are named. These sins are to be avoided by the people of God. These sins Marked the world in that day. And sadly, they still mark the world of our day. Sin and sinners never change. They merely continue down that same old path of depravity. They do as they are led by the spirit of this world, the flesh and the devil. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, you might remember, he said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The world does, does what it does because it knows no other way. And because it is incapable of changing itself even if it wanted to, which it doesn't because outside of the spirit's leading, none of us would change. And by the way, notice that the love of God is a a selfless love. He tells us that in verse two, you'll remember. While the love of the world is selfish and is very self-centered, the sins mentioned here prove that to us this morning. I'd remind you that true love is marked by what it gives not by what it can gain. So let's consider the sins that Paul mentions here. First he says fornication. That word refers to all types of sexual sin. It includes sex before marriage. It includes adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism, sexual lust, pornography. All of, the, all of those are included in fornication. Sexual immorality should not be a part of the life of a saint of God. We should have no part in those things. We are sexual beings, yes, and we all face temptations in these areas of life, but we must be careful that the temptations are not allowed to become the absolute reality of our life, where it controls us and we act as if we have no control over it. But then he speaks of uncleanness. That word speaks of corruption or of rottenness, and it refers to impure motives and living. It speaks of of moral corruption in one's life. It is an impure lifestyle that dishonors God, disregards his word, and disrespects his commandments. Then he speaks of covetousness. That word refers to uh, a greed or lust, and it, it is a desire to possess that which belongs to another. Verse 5 clearly says that the covetous man is an idolater. Well, what does he mean by that? It means that the person who covets The person who lusts after the things that they do not possess is guilty of following another god. Of having a possession, having something they've placed in their life that they worship that is not the Lord Jesus Christ. The object of the desire, whether it is a person or whether it be a thing, is elevated to that stature, to that status of worship as they seek it with all of their being. But then he speaks of filthiness that word speaks of obscenity of crudeness that which is base and shameful it speaks of those things that are dirty in nature listen to the conversations the people around you in this world are having watch just something on television at night after nine o'clock view any type of movie with anything more than a g rating it seems anymore and you will often see filthiness in action. Nothing appears to be shameful anymore. God's name is taken in vain like it means nothing. Sexual innuendo and thinly veiled references that would have embarrassed previous generations abound in our world today. Vulgarity that would have been considered pornographic a generation ago is used freely in our world today. In other words, as a generation, it seems that we have lost the ability to blush. Nothing causes us embarrassment anymore. We've lost the ability to blush. Sadly, there seems to be no difference many times in the way that the churchgoer talks and and acts in the way that the world does. There's no difference, and that is disobedience to God. We should dictate the standards and not allow the world to press us into its mold we should be like a thermostat regulating the temperature of the culture around us rather than simply being a thermometer that merely records the temperature that we are in many children today reach school age with a vocabulary that at one time would have made a sailor blush because it's everywhere And most parents don't have enough spiritual discernment to protect their children from the vile, pornographic world in which we live. And sadly, many parents allow their children to watch things on television, to view things on on their mobile device, whatever that may be, that those children have no business seeing or hearing or protecting them. And the parents themselves are so selfish that they'll oftentimes be there watching it with them with no regard to what that is doing to the young hearts and minds of those watching with them. And so if you're a parent, you don't need to punish your child if you're doing these things. You don't need to punish your child when they drop an F-bomb on you. What you need to do is you need to go and you need to find a good old boy who's big enough to whoop you and bend you over and discipline you for what you are allowing to happen in your own home. Sadly, that's what's happening in far too many homes. We must return back to godly standards in the home. Because society, society is not going to change. We can't trust the federal government or the FCC to protect our children. We have been called to protect our children. We have to do that work. It is our responsibility to be the gatekeeper of the home. And we are going to answer one day for how well we have protected our children and our grandchildren from the world around them. But then he speaks of foolish talking. That means moronic words. It speaks of silly speech. It actually refers to talk that we associate with someone who is mentally deficient. And so it speaks of us... Talking in such a way that we use obscenities and and crude words in our day-to-day speech. There is never an excuse for a Christian cursing. There's just not. We know better. And here are a couple of reasons why that kind of speech should not be a part of your life as a follower of Christ. First, cursing. Cursing. And crude talk, off-color speech, reveals that you lack the adequate vocabulary necessary to express yourself in a decent manner. You're just not reflecting well upon yourself. When you use words that are crude or off-color or obscene, you are dishonoring the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes you look like a moron when you act like that, when you talk like that. And so don't do it. Refrain from it, Paul says. And then he speaks of, of, of jesting. This word refers to speech that falls into the same realm as foolish talk. But this word carries the idea of, of turning, turning the meaning. And so it speaks of the kind of wit or talk that t- takes everything that is said or done, no matter how innocent that it may have been when it was said or done, and it turns it into something obscene and suggestive. It refers to those who twist everything into something dirty or, or into some kind of sexual innuendo. That kind of dirty speech always comes from a dirty heart. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. We are to avoid all those things. And the fact is, some of those are often found in the lives of those who profess to be God's children. So we need to seek Him and His help so that those things are permanently eradicated from all of our lives. They have no place in the life of a saved individual. Verse 3 says that they should not be once named among you. But secondly, look with me at the end of verse 4. We see that there is an attitude that we must adopt. There's an attitude that we must adopt. And so rather than engaging in those activities and attitudes that characterize the world around us, the Bible offers us a favorable alternative here. Instead of being crude and rude and vile in our speech and our actions, the Bible says, rather, be ye thankful. This phrase suggests that everything we say and everything we do must be governed by whose we are and by who we are. And that makes a big difference in your life. There was a time in our lives when we were no different from the world around us. We were lost like them, so we lived like them, and we acted like them, and we talked like them. We did so because we were them, but not anymore. When Jesus saved us by his grace, he transformed us by his power through the new birth into what he refers to as a new creature. We are completely different. When the Lord saved us, he delivered us from the bondage of that old life. And now we do not have to live like the world around us. We can be different. We have the power to be different. We do not have to act like, talk like, walk like, or be like them anymore. We have the capacity through Christ to live the new life that glorifies and honors our Heavenly Father. We can be different. And so we should be different for that change and for the salvation that He has so freely given us. We should be grateful to Him in everything that we do. We should be grateful. That word thanks carries the idea of being thankful in all things. And so instead of engaging in sins that demean others and destroy ourselves and dishonor God, we should possess a heart that overflows with praise to the Lord for all that he has done for us through grace. And here's what the Lord desires from us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so, church, instead of, uh, instead of running to do the same things the lost world does, we who are saved must learn to adopt an attitude of praise and thankfulness for all the Lord has done for us. And so, this implies that we will be the centerpiece of all of our thoughts and desires and motives, that he is to be there, not, not our desires. And when he is, we will be thankful. When he isn't, we will walk in sin. Thirdly, I want you to look at verses 3 through 6. There are arguments that we must acknowledge. Rather, rather than just telling us what we should not do, the Lord here tells us why we should not do the things that he here forbids. He offers us several good reasons why we should and why we must avoid these sins. First, look at verse 3. We see three sins are unbecoming of the saints. These sins... the The word becometh means to to be suitable to or proper. In other words, these sins should not be found among believers because that type of lifestyle is not suited to nor proper for the people of God. It does not fit in with the new life that we have been given. So we shouldn't stoop to to live a life in in that kind of sin. So these sins fit well with a lost person, but they do not fit well with the child of God. But then in verse 4, we see these sins are not convenient. That word convenient literally means not equal to our standing. They're not equal to our standing. When we practice these and other sins, we are living below our calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been delivered from darkness and death and depravity and, and deception. We have no business engaging in any activity that throws doubt on our profession of faith or that reflects negatively on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or on our Heavenly Father. But these sins also in verse 5, these sins reveal a wicked heart. These verses make it clear that anyone who practices a lifestyle that is characterized by these sins is not saved, no matter what they may profess, because no born again believer can live in that lifestyle, in an unrepentant lifestyle with those sins and be saved. They just couldn't do it. And so when we do, we prove that we have never been converted when we can comfortably live like the world around us, when we can comfortably live being defined by sin, we are not saved. But then in verse 6, he says, these sins bring wrath of God. They bring the wrath of God. Some may use vain words and tell you that it's okay for a believer to do the same, but the Bible says that those who tell you such things are practicing deception in their own lives. That is, they are lying to you. They're trying to lead you down the wrong path of life. It is these very sins that call for the wrath of God to be poured out upon the lost. And so when a believer falls into the deception of these sins and give themselves to the same sins, we can expect to be chastened, disciplined severely for that sin in our life because he will bring us back. And it won't be a comfortable situation. Thank God none of these sins can cause the child of God to go to hell. But these sins can and they will bring the chastisement of God into our lives. The whole point here is that God expects his children to live in a certain way. And it is different than the world. He has reasons for what he demands and there are consequences for those who disobey. And if we want the blessings of God to be ours in our lives, then we must live holy, clean lives to his glory. And if we don't, we will certainly face his chastisement. But then lastly, look with me there at verse 7. There is an authority that we must accept. This passage closes with a clear command from the Lord. That we are commanded not to be partakers of these sins. The world has one pattern of living. And we who know the Lord have another. We are not to live like them on any level. We have to live among them. And that's a good thing. Because we are to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So... It's a good thing for us to live among them, but while we are living among them, we must not live like them. We must be different. The Lord has called his children to live lives on a higher plane. We are to be like him, not like them. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. There are two paths through this world. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Church, there is a wide path that is accessed through a wide gate. And nearly everyone in this world, the vast majority of this world, are walking through that gate, and they're walking down that path. In contrast, there is a narrow road that is accessed through a narrow gate. And he says there are very few, very few, especially in our day, very few who can be found walking on that road. Because to walk on that road means that you will be radically different than the world around you. To walk on that road means that you may be made fun of, that you may be persecuted, that you may lose friends, that you may lose family members from speaking to you. Because it is a very radical road In comparison to this world, one enters the wide road when he or she is born into this world. Nothing needs to change in your life to walk that path for the whole of your life. You are born into sin and it is a wide road, accessed through a wide gate. But by contrast, that narrow path is entered into through faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that gate is entered, the one who walks that narrow path is forever changed by the power of God. That person is is said to be a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That person experiences a new birth, John chapter 3, verses 3 and verse 7. A person that never before existed is created in the moment of conversion. We are no longer the same. The person is different from everyone else in this world who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will not understand you because you're different. When a person is saved, they are subject to the commands and the dictates of God Almighty. He tells us how to live. He tells us what we can and cannot do. And it is his voice that we must obey and not the siren song of the world around us. And when he says that we are to avoid these sins and adopt a life of holiness, we are to obey without question. We're not to say, well, God, I don't understand why you would have me live that way. He is God. We are not. We're to live for Him, knowing that He wants the best for our lives. We have a strange way of examining our own lives. We tend to look at ourselves in the best possible light. We always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Always. We look at our own heart and we tend to say that everything is well. However, the book of Jeremiah It's clear when he says in in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The idea here is that we really can't even judge ourselves properly. There's no possible way for us to judge our own heart properly. And that next verse there in Jeremiah 17, 10, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. We may not know ourselves as we should and we may not be able to accurately determine where we stand with the Lord but he knows where we are and he knows what we are. And so how are we to know for sure where we stand? We know exactly where we stand when we place ourselves alongside the Bible, God's word. His word is the plumb line and it always tells the truth about us and about, and about God. And when we don't line up properly God doesn't need to change. We need to change. We don't need to try to be more like the world and get along with the world a little better. No. We need to be radically different. We need to come in line with what God's Word says. It is unchanging. If the Word of God has revealed your condition as being something that needs to be changed today, then don't shrug that off. Don't don't go on your way And say, well, okay, that was good and all, and I see what he's saying, but I'm not going to really respond in obedience. Come to God and do what he is calling you to do this morning. Come to him with a repentant heart and confess the sin in your life. Come back to him. Come to him for salvation if you've never come for the very first time. And he will save you. If you will come to him and place your faith in him by his grace, he will save you. Come to him to thank Him for who He is and what He has done for you and for all that He has given to you in Jesus Christ. Come to Him and let Him put your life, put the life that He has saved by, the precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, to put you back on that narrow road, to put you back where you're doing what you were created to do for His honor and for His glory. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for these instructions of how we can be different than the world around us. Thank you for these instructions of what we are to avoid, those, those potholes that will send us into the ditch. Lord, I pray that my friends who are here today and they're lost, I pray they've listened, and I pray that they will respond to you today. Lord, I also pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who may be living in unrepentant sin living as they want to live, and thinking that it's okay because, well, nobody's really said anything. I don't think anybody's really noticing. No, you're noticing. You know. And, Lord, I know that you're going to you're going to bring discipline into their lives. So, Lord, let us come today and let us, let us repent. Let us come before you and, and lay it all out there and say, God, take this from me and cleanse me. Make me white as snow. Lord, and some of us just need to come and we need to thank you. We just need to get down on our hands and our knees and we need to praise you and thank you for what you have done in our our hearts and our lives and transforming us, that we are different, that we are able to do what no one else can do in this world and that is share a blessed hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, you have given us a message that the entire world desperately needs. And if we don't take it, no one else will. Lord, help us to take that seriously. So some of us just need to come and we just need to ask you how we can be more obedient in that calling, and to thank you for the gospel message that you've given us. Lord, whatever the call that you have given, Lord, I pray that we would be obedient today. Lord, I pray that we would answer you as you call. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing, respond in obedience today.